1: Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and that glorious mustache is back. Hope you're doing all right. Plenty to get into a post practice rap session with Whipple and Beckton. You'll hear from them. How are the Huskers going to fare in the NFL draft? Some great thoughts from a former front office man with Cleveland and the Rams, Russ Landy. Draft analyst and NFL insider going to be with us in an hour. Excited to talk with him. We'll check in with Mike Babcock on some Big Red football and Husker baseball. And Tiger is pacing around Augusta. Mike Schuhart checks in from Wilderness Ridge in about 30 minutes. Numbers to dial up. Get involved at 466-3776. 466-3776. 825 Five eight six five. Can email the show Chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, find us, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt. That's me. Elijah Herbal at uh, Herbal at at Herbal Essence is what I'm trying to spit out for his Twitter handle. And as always, follow at ESPN Lincoln at Hail Varsity uh, for any uh, any sports related updates. So uh, we'll get to the trage- tragedy tragedy at TD Ameritrade, or the Chuck, shortly. Not good for Nebraska baseball. But, uh, Elijah, you know, we've talked a lot about different parts of this Nebraska offense. We've hit on some of the position groups, the quarterback battle, what's the running game going to look like, the, uh, the, the makeshift offensive line because of some injuries, which, listen, it's, it's kind of a, a unifying echo from no matter what assistant you hear from, it's been, hey, the silver lining is you got a lot of dudes that are getting lots of reps. Some guys that, that haven't had that before, and it's going to pay off in the long run for Nebraska come 2022. Uh, you want the, the starters or perceived starters or guys that have more experience, ready to rock and roll here come Ireland time. That said, guys will be ready and, uh, and able to perform based on the the work they're getting that's so key when we talk developmental programs like a Wisconsin like an Iowa like a Minnesota Nebraska was the it is considered by many the developmental program they get great players they make them even better they get good players make them great that's how the formulas worked for a lot of years and Nebraska, uh, their their coaching staff putting some work in with getting guys that haven't seen a lot of time previously. It sounds like there's some strides being made. So development on one hand, red zone on the other because that has been cringeworthy for Nebraska. You don't score on a big play, Elijah. You don't get in the end zone. You hope to hit a three, right? And uh, that's not always been the case, but between Uh, What what Coach Becton has said and Coach Whipple talked about today, listen, both guys saying the same thing, two different voices about physicality, both saying the the same thing about how they feel about the running game, and quite honestly, the position group of tight end and the tight end usage in a Mark Whipple offense— It's a no-brainer. Why why didn't you throw more jump balls to 6'9", Austin Allen? You've got Vokalik, uh, nicknamed Baby Gronk. When he gets cleared to get back into contact, he's a weapon that you'll see. And there's a slew of other young pups at the tight end spot that seem to be doing well.
2: Yeah, and we'll get into thoughts from uh, Coach Becton just a little bit later, but Coach Becton talked about how uh, that is part of what Mark Whipple wants uh, from this offense next year is he wants plays where a tight end is not a, a third or a fourth option on a play. He, he, he has plays uh, designed where the tight end is going to be the number one option. You wonder, man, how different would the offense have looked last year if Austin Allen was the number one target down in the red zone or uh, how different would it have looked if on third and four uh, whenever you're not feeling like running the ball because you're playing Ohio State or – Name a defense, Wisconsin. Or you just don't trust it. Or you don't trust it. Same same difference, really. If you threw the ball to Austin Allen on third and four, aside from that one route where he went over the middle and went and jumped up over over a linebacker, it didn't feel like Austin Allen's usage was necessarily right for... I mean, what well, seen, could have been. In, the, in the draft process for his height and athleticism and, and jumping ability, you go, man, was Nebraska using him right last year? So sounds like uh, Mark Whipple does have a, a plan to incorporate the tight end more, and uh, you would hope it leads to better red zone results combined with, you know, a better
1: offensive line and more consistent run game. Well, you need efficiency and, uh, above all, be able to ground and pound it, right? Run the football in. Uh, make that uh, a reality for Nebraska football. And and that's uh, that's been a focal point. Uh, we'll hear from Will Bolt also here shortly on last night's uh, debacle at uh, T D Ameritrade slash uh, the Chuck. But uh, Mark Whipple gets us kicked off uh, this afternoon, uh, specifically here what he's learned about his quarterbacks because that is a ongoing competition. With the portal addition of, of Thompson, of course, you still have Smothers, and then you've got a, a number of kids that are still injured a bit here this spring.
3: No, they're doing good. Take care of the ball better, which is, you know, I, I thought we were little lo- loose with the ball earlier quarterback, so Today we had an interception in a red zone. We're getting more work in the red zone, which will help us um, in the tight windows and third downs and things like that. So, uh, Case has done well. Logan's done. Chubb has worked a little bit more, so that's good to see him. Young guys are coming. So a bunch of really good kids that, that like the game and fun to be around.
1: So he sounds pretty comfortable, quite honestly, with his quarterback options and what they're doing in the red zone. More on that competition at quarterback. How's that race going?
3: Yeah, everybody's competing, but I think they're really they're helping one another out. It's a good room. That's important, you know. They're helping one another out. You miss something talking about it. There's guys that are talking a lot in the, in the meetings and on the field. So, you know, there's not anybody else. There's not there's any, not any animosity in, in the group. So they're all trying to get better at different levels and trying to build a library for each of you them know, so that when we come back, I can go over with it, you know, before we get to summer. But they'll study their own, all their plays that they've had.
1: So let's go back to the tight ends we talked about to, to get going here on the show and Whipple discussed a little bit here the tight end usage uh, What what's ideal in the red zone here for this Nebraska offense.
3: Travis hasn't practiced he's done stuff on air you know when I was at UMass and and we had Adam Brenneman who transferred from Penn State I think he led the country at 146 catches in two years and Last year, Lucas Crawl was healthy. We lost like three tight ends the year before, so we had to go a lot more four wide. But I think he had 50 catches, and the young kid Gavin Bartholomew maybe had 25. So we have capable guys there, and the younger guys are really getting better, understanding the scheme. So I don't have a number. You know, the ball is predicated goes to you know what the defense is giving you. Certainly, we can get guys in certain areas. I think the size of those guys can help you in the red zone. That, that would be a place where, you know, we're six, five, six, six, six seven down there where the windows are tighter and you got to be physical and catching the ball. And the speed's not as important as is, you know, learning, you know, you know, about leverage on the defenders and those things. So we, we had sessions Monday. We did a little bit more today. We'll do a little bit more Friday in the red zone. But I see those guys being somewhat of a factor down there.
1: He's got to be smiling, man. You got some giants to throw the football to. Uh, you still have Vokalek when he gets healthy. So, what does a, an effective red zone offense look like to Mark Whipple?
3: You know, it's always you can run the ball because uh, you know they've got an extra they've got an extra guy with the end line in a red zone where the safeties are tight and you can't because you, unless you're running some option, would, uh, you know the safety is going to be unaccounted for the quarterback. Now, when you run option, that becomes a little bit some 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 things with a quarterback, but. You know, it's, it's just a mix, mix that way. But I think our backs, I think, have gotten better. I, we're a little more physical than we've done, Coach. coach early in the year, the, Coach Applewhite's done a really good job with those guys with pad level. All of them are running a little bit lower, a little bit more balanced, and playing for the extra yard. And, and uh, we did have a fumble in the scrimmage last week, but uh, it's really the, the only one we've had. I think in in, uh, in uh, a lot of a lot of you know tough sessions in there where it's been. It's, there's thud, there's tough thud, there's live, so um, I think we've done a good job securing the ball with those guys.
1: Back to the quarterbacks, and in past years, uh, a lot of weight could have been and has been put on. Think back to year one with Frost, with Jebia and Adrian, right? How how big was the spring game going to be for who emerges in, a, in the quarterback competition? And Adrian set the world on fire with a really good spring game showing, kept that momentum, and and won the job as a, as a true freshman. Well, Whipple <laughs> – I don't know that Whipple uh, doesn't – this is me, not him. But uh, how cranked up is he for the spring game on Saturday? He, You know, he isn't going to live or die by it, but he uh, – well, he put that fire out. Spring game's awesome from a – it's an extra, air quote, home game. The The world converges. The state of Nebraska converges. You're, you're going to have a great turnout. It's, it's uh, feeling like fall a little bit. Old times, right? You get to go see a football game. But as far as the weight of uh, a week from Saturday, it doesn't sound like it's going to make or break. Yeah,
3: I don't – I don't – the way spring games have gone now – you, know, you want to get out of it. in my mind we want to get out of the it. so It's like, is that gonna make the difference? I don't it does on some guys. I think it's more for the younger guys that haven't got as many reps. I don't really know how we're gonna do the spring game, we haven't even talked about it. But uh, it's not I mean, you know, not, I don't see it. Casey Thompson's played against Oklahoma he played against those, you know, some of the young guys maybe. But just not like it used to be in the old days where you were 15 full pad days, and that was. I mean, we pretty much know. Now there's some guys that can make 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 headway there that they play well. You know, and some guys they play really bad. But you know, there's a bunch of tape that we've had. So I I, I don't. I said I don't know how we do, we're going about it. So I'm really worried about cleaning up today's practice and getting ready for Friday
1: mark whipple about to uh w- load up in his uh in his helicopter uh and and fly back to his resort i'm kidding <laughs> but you know he's just like yeah whatever <laughs> spring game can help some guys it may hurt you a little bit but it ain't gonna gonna make or break
2: yeah, they're not gonna be watching the film from the spring game for the no. next six months going oh man who are we gonna start it's like
1: did someone get hurt <laughs> No good. Moving on. So the best and worst Whipple's seen this spring. Uh, interesting take here, and it really kind of a compliment to both lines of scrimmage.
3: I don't think there's anything really bad besides some guys getting hurt. That's always that's the one. That's the worst part about the game. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. You got to play physical and tough. And the best thing is, is these kids are fun. They come to work every day. They fought through Monday was a tough day, and you kind of when you look at the schedule, say, "Hey, had a scrimmage," and then you, had, we had a practice on Thursday, we scrimmaged, and we went, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, got to come right back on Monday, six, six days and seven with full pads. But I thought they did a really good job that way. But they're fun to be around. You know, we had a walkthrough in here, which was something new that they before the scrimmage. And I thought there was a there was a air of confidence, but a business-like attitude, which is what you want. You don't want them all being uptight. So, I, I you know, that way. Um, and, and we've had good battles with the defense. I, I, what I've always learned in, in spring practice that if one side is dominating the other, you probably don't have a good team. But I, I believe we have a good team because defense has made plays, offense has bounced back, handled adversity. So it's a fun group to be around.
1: To baseball we go. Nebraska a oh. chance to bounce back after losing two in a row to Michigan. They have now lost three straight, losing to Creighton 3-2 to two. in Omaha. It's one thing if a team tries to hand you a game, and it's another if they hold the door open for you. Uh, the game was attempted to be handed to Nebraska by Creighton, and the door was held open. Nebraska could not could not make it happen. Five J's errors, two for 15 for Nebraska, runners in scoring position, and they just, right now, I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs, downs, Elijah, with this baseball team, but this may be a low point, not being able to take advantage last night to your in-state rival. Lots of ups and downs, but
2: more downs than ups, for sure. Whenever, you I mean, you look at this team, it's you out-hit Creighton last night. Creighton committed five errors. I mean, that's you look at the box score. how often do you out hit a team who commits five errors and they still go win a baseball game it's not very often and those those missed chances for Nebraska I'm sure they're going to be kicking themselves over
1: well and and when we talk errors the, the one Nebraska error was the difference in the game with the Jays third run Will Bolt last night
4: you're in position to win I mean you're you're you've done what you need to do to be in position to win the game and we just you know we didn't do it when it comes to hitting with runners in scoring position having a chance to to get the big hit when you need it um rbi they they live in the middle of the field and and that's the thing i mean we're, we're just not we're not good enough offensively at using the entire field one through
1: nine in the order and that rears his ugly head so you had a man on second no outs in the first the runner stayed stranded at third scoreless third with the bases loaded Runner at second with one out in the fourth. After a one-out double, stayed stranded. A two-base throwing error in the seventh. You had a single by core Jackson. Runners at the corners with no outs. You get a run in, but you had a 6-4-3 double play that prevented a big inning. You had runners at the corners with no out in the eighth. And uh, you had a double, a pass ball, a plunked batter. And then you had two strikeouts uh, by Jays pitchers and a ground out which was just brutal. I mean, how do you have runners on the
2: corners with no outs and back-to-back innings and only generate one run out of that? That makes no sense to me.
1: Uh, you just, just put the ball in play both innings, and you should have two runs. Well, guys apparently are trying to be Clue Haywood up at the dish and just swing and, and knock it into Council Bluffs, and not just last night, but their approach. Mm-hmm. All year long. All year long, and it's, hey, we should have some more power. Well, that was heard and, and taken and ran with, and the approach has been the issue. Mike Babcock's on the way. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. fellas. Oh, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
5: Yes! That's
1: awesome! A big visitor to tell you about for the spring game. By the way, at TCU, Oshan Mathis announcing today he'll be in Lincoln to check out the big red the big red faithful and that red carpet to get a dynamite pass rusher and
2: without reading too far into this with how long it's taken for him to find another spot i think it means good things for nebraska if he's at this point in the process and now he's saying well let's go check out nebraska i think that means good things
1: 38 games at the horn frogs 15 and a half sacks 30 30 and a half tfls 135 total tackles. I believe he
2: was uh, a first-team All-Big 12 once and second-team All-Big 12 once.
1: Yes, a little bit of a Randy Gregory-type award set up there. First-team, second-team, the two years. We'll see if Nebraska can close the deal. Mike Babcock with us from com and Magazine at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know? What did you think of the post-practice today?
6: Well, uh, it was a tight ends day, I guess. Um, Yeah, I listened to Sean Becton, and... The thing that interested me uh, is that he he said that the tight ends are going to be more involved in the passing game than they have been, and you know that's they've been involved, but uh, he said that there are plays that they've got now set up where that's the first choice for a receiver, first option uh, is going to be the tight end. So that's good. Uh, the negative is that uh, some tight ends are not able to practice right now. That's a little bit of a concern, but. Um, he seemed pretty, uh, pretty optimistic about uh, what the potential was there in his room. So um, that's always good, I think.
1: Mabers, you look at the the tight end group uh, with the Frost era, right? I look at Stoll, mm-hmm. and then you know he's earning the paycheck with Philly, and then he had a good career in Lincoln, but you know could have been used more. You have Austin Allen that. Really did some magical things last year for Nebraska, but maybe there could have been more out for more out there for him in the red zone. Uh, I think he had one red zone touchdown right against Minnesota uh, and maybe another against Wisconsin, but it was a little later in the year but that that makes me smile when it comes to to finding a bread and butter right with what you want to do in the in the red zone you want to score touchdowns, not attempt to make or miss field goals. And, you know, if Nebraska can can settle in and, and be a physical downhill running team in the red zone, great. If they can play action to a tight end, I might just uh, dust off my Johnny Mitchell jersey.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny Mitchell. Man, there was one of the best. He and Junior Miller probably right at the top of uh, tight ends that, the, that they had here. But the, Nebraska had some good tight ends. You know, that was a thing that, um, they didn't always catch a lot of passes, but whenever they did, it was always for a touchdown, it seemed like. So um, this is going to be a little bit different usage of them, obviously. But uh, I, I think in general they're going to throw the ball more than, than they have have recently because, uh, again, uh, Beckton said everybody was on, on the table. It was tight ends. It was running backs. It was everybody was going to be involved in that passing game uh, to a significant degree
1: think about Purdue's offense and Purdue won a lot of ball games last year and they're you know 40 to 50 passing attempts a game but the thing about Purdue that that made him honest right when you look at the Iowa win the way they beat Nebraska they wouldn't run for a lot but they they kept running it right they mm-hmm. they weren't one dimensional not that you feared their running game but they kept you honest could we see Maybe that scenario settling in with Nebraska.
6: Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in the Big Ten, you have to be able to do that to some degree. You have to have that threat, and you know that's that's an area that really interests me. The, you know, the running back thing because that's a that's a full room. I you know probably when spring's over, uh, maybe you'll see one or two of those guys uh, look to the transfer portal. I mean, there's it seems like there's so much potential talent there. Um, so much potential in that room that uh, it's going to be tough, you know, but but you've got to establish some kind of a running game and in in, to be successful in the Big Ten. And that, you know, starts up front, obviously. So how's that offensive, offensive line going to look?
2: Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and Mike before we get to baseball uh, I want to ask you about uh, some comments this morning that were were a little concerning to me and that's that there are still growing pains uh, with these new coaches coming in trying trying to meld with the old staff the guys that are sticking around Uh, do you think that at this point in time after a couple weeks of, of practice that's cause for concern yet or do you think there's still time to get those things ironed out
6: no no I don't think it's to me it's not cause for concern I mean you uh, and, again, I'm, Sean Beckman said that, uh, you know, there was good chemistry with, uh, with the offensive coaches, even though you've got four new ones. Um, and, you know, it's a learning process, obviously. It's a learning process, um, even if you're not a new assistant coach. On the, it's a learning process on the defensive side of the ball. Um, when you stop learning, you, you stop being effective, I think. Um, so, no, I, I, I'm not concerned about that part. Uh, what I'm concerned about is just in the back of your mind. You have to feel like we've got to do something this season. We've got to do something um, because if we don't, that could be the end of it. I mean, I, I just another losing season is is not going to be something that people can tolerate.
1: Totally agree with you, Mike. Husker baseball losing three to two last night. Two for 15 with runners in scoring position. Creighton kicked the ball all over the yard. It didn't matter. They found ways to get out of jams. What did last night say to you? Do you make Is it just another loss, or is it is it deeper than that?
6: Oh, I, you know I didn't watch the game. I just looked at the stats. I thought they won. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, it, it, should uh, <laughs> yeah, you know at this point, I mean they're not quite halfway through the schedule, but they're getting close to it. And uh, you know you you've got to accept the fact that this team has got a lot of lot of work to do, Um, and you know doing having a lot of work to do in season is not a good thing. Um, I just every time I think that you know there's things are going they're going to break out and they're going to do some things, um, you know I'm disappointed. I'd. Um, I, gotta, I guess I got to express it that way. I got a good pitching effort. Uh, from a midweek game, young guys did a pretty good job there, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, the offense just could not. You know, Creighton tried to hand it to him like you guys said early on. Um, but by the same token, Nebraska gets a couple guys picked off, and um, you know, a runner goes down to first base and falls down, which he might have been out anyway, but. Um, it just seems like there are things that you haven't even seen happen that are happening to the Huskers. And uh it's a head scratcher. I really thought that Nebraska would, would uh uh you know, there was reason that Nebraska was picked to uh to win the Big Ten. Um because I saw the talent there and I thought the potential for that. And uh man, I just haven't seen seen guys uh produce the way that I thought they would. And you know, if if Like you guys talked about the home run thing. You know, if you think you're a home run team and you've only hit 13 at this point, hey, maybe you better take a different approach. Um, I I really thought the conditions were, you know, right for home run. Obviously, Michigan did. Michigan hit, what, eight home runs in the series here? And part of it was the conditions were right. And I thought Nebraska would would do something there if, if the power was there. And Nebraska got, uh, what, one, one home run, I think, uh, in that Michigan series. So um, I'm just, you know, if I'm scratching my head, imagine uh, uh, Will Bold is uh, probably looking to replace some hair from scratching so much, uh, trying to figure out what's going on, because this is not what we expected in any way, shape, or form.
2: Mike, it seems to me that, that good baseball teams need a, a, a strength that they can come back and lean on when things aren't going their way. I think of the Braves last year with their bullpen and, and the run to the World Series, or if, if you're thinking a college baseball since you had Arkansas last year with Cops, or, or Nebraska even last year had timely hitting whenever they needed it, but it doesn't seem like Nebraska has something they can lean on when other things are going poorly this year. Do you, do you see a, a strength of this Husker baseball team so far this year?
6: You know, so far I haven't seen it. I mean, I uh like i said i thought- I thought the young guys the pitchers did a pretty good job last night um you know you got to feel good about that, and then you see what happens with the offense and and uh things kind of fall apart there on you there on that part of it so I don't know what I thought going in I thought more it would be the offense that would would be the uh fall back uh thing for for nebraska baseball and uh it certainly hasn't been that, or we haven't seen that at all.
1: Mike, go I don't ahead. Know why. No, I don't know either, just other than the approach, and let's see if they switch their approach, but yet you don't want to be gun-shy about swinging for power either. That's a fine line. Husker basketball news, uh, Walker is back. That's big for Fred, and then Armand Gates returning as well, which I think Armand's a heck of a coach, and I think he'll have more of a voice this Upcoming season, and I think that's a good thing. But your take on on Walker's return? Were you expecting that? Are you surprised by it? And what what can he what can he do uh, for this team? Because man, he was he was a real real bright spot for Nebraska basketball.
6: He was, and I was glad to see that. Uh, I mean, he'll go through senior day for what the third time now. That's right, uh, three senior days. So, um, no, I, I was a little bit surprised, but but. Um, Happy that that he came back. That's going to be a. Uh, uh, I think that he's only going to have more confidence next year. Obviously, I'm I'm stating the obvious here, but um, and and he was he was a steady player for the Huskers this year. Um, he's only going to get better, and a good man to build around. I think. Um, and that was a that was a real positive for the Huskers.
1: Surprised with Gates with his brother heading to Missouri. Uh.
6: Yeah, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? But uh, no, I'm 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 glad for that. I I hope that uh, uh, things go well because again, just like football, I mean, you're going to have to have some success here. Um, there's a lot of pressure, and uh, um, you got to be able to deal with it. And that's one of the things that you know, bring them in like that. Uh, it's going to help the staff, I think. But pressure, man, that's, that's it's going to be the Order of the day, I think. And, you know, we saw some strength at the end of the season. So um, maybe that mindset will carry over a little bit for for a guy like uh, Derek Walker I can provide some leadership.
1: Babbers, we'll get caught up with you next week as we gear up for the spring game. Thanks for checking in with us today.
6: Hey, thanks for having me involved, guys. I right,
1: appreciate, appreciate you. There he is, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. And uh, I can kind of hear the smile in Babber's voice when you talk about the tight end, finding him. I mean, it was it was good times. A little play action, a little fake option. You drop back, and guess who's open for a 70-yard gain? A lot of tight ends over the years. Matt Harry and Jody Mitchell. It was good. Mike Schuhart's on the way.
4: Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale varsity radio show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you for less than $20 can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at halevarsity.com Just go to dot slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of hail varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
0: And now,
1: and now back to hail varsity radio stuff from Mike Babcock. Check that out. ESPN, the on-demand section of the podcast. Also on ESPN, Lincoln's Twitter handle. We'll post the interview with Babbers thoughts on spring football. Well, I don't know if he's got an ice cream cake, because of the fire hazard with the birthday candles or not, we say happy birthday and hello to Mike Shuhart with Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, happy birthday, man. Thanks, Schmitty. I appreciate it. 59 again. I love it.
7: I know. Always 59. Can't hit that part.
1: The best part here is uh, Elijah and the crew remind me that when the rejoin says he's in his 30s, I haven't been in my 30s for a long, long time. But it sounds good. Well,
7: the- always, man. You're
2: always in your 30s,
1: right? always right. is old, still, right? It's about right.
2: But the, the problem is, since we have made that rejoin, we've lost the original file that that houses the actual editable <laughs> audio. So I can't go in and edit it and change it and
1: fix it. So me, you're just in your 30s permanently. Me and Nixon uh, <laughs> destroying tape, baby. Well, Shuey, it's been pretty cool to to see the reaction on social media. Uh, ESPN.com recording, uh, uh, reporting a source tells him Tiger played a full 18 at Augusta National. First and foremost, are, are you surprised that he's given it a go, doing the old uh, testing this week based on where he's been health-wise?
7: It is amazing that he even considered doing it with all the stuff that's going on, but I mean, with him playing in the parent youth tournament and I think that was his goal, to see if he could get ready and was physically able. And I think that's what he's testing now. I don't think it's an issue with him swinging the golf club. I think it's an issue. Can he walk 18 holes of golf for four straight days? So I think he's testing that out right now and seeing if that is something he can do. I I hope he can. Masters is always better with Tiger in it.
1: It is, it is. Let me ask you this. In, in your career, when you were playing in the tour, what did you do to, to get yourself ready? I mean, just from a shape standpoint. I mean, guys are are different now. I mean, between Tiger being yoked and, and of course, Bryson. But with uh, with your time as a pro, I mean, did you have a workout regimen at all or did you just kind of go John Wayne and gut it out?
7: Pretty much, John Wayne, all the way. (laughs) Back then, I mean, the workout aspect of it wasn't nearly what it is now. They didn't know the benefits of it. Uh, You know, that's kind of what Tiger had brought to the game is because he was a workout fiend and and technology and and understanding more of things that you can do that can really help your game. You know, back when I played, it was like, actually my grandfather, who was a really good player, he actually forbid me to lift weights and do things like that because way back then that was something that was not conducive, they thought, the golfers, because it built bulky muscles. You wanted long, lean, supple muscles. So it was more about just hitting golf balls and, and, and walking the golf course and, and being out there, and that's how you kind of kept in shape. That's how I did anyway, you know. Uh, if looking back, I wish I would have known a little bit more about the fitness aspect of it and things I would have done. I would have taken more advantage of that because there's a huge benefit to it. You know, strength, flexibility, and your ability to be able to work out in such a manner that builds both of those, uh, that'll, that that benefits your game immensely.
1: The word of the day for Mike Schuhart is supple. I, I, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Supple. Uh, long lean muscles, man. So do you expect Tiger to, to play or is it still kind of wait and see depending on how he feels after this, this, uh, this trial?
7: Yeah, I'm in the wait and see mode. I'm afraid, what I'm afraid of is that he's going to get people really excited and he's going to find that he just is not ready to be able to take that abuse on his body, just walking. And it, and Augusta is not an easy golf course to walk, man. it is. If you've never been there, it is up and down. I mean, it is a lot hillier than it looks like on TV. There's some serious uphill walk, downhill walk. Sometimes it's worse going downhill than it is going uphill. It's a very, very undulating golf course. Uh, there's a lot of elevation change there that, that you don't get to see on TV. So... Um, We'll see. I mean, I think he's going to he's gonna test that and see, you know, if he can be able to do it, you know, so if he continues to play. And I'm sure he's been doing that at home. But, again, at home is not Augusta. And then you add, the you know, the competitive component of it, and that adds to it as well. Mm-hmm. So I hope he can do it. I mean, that's he sure is going to give it a try. I guarantee you that. But we'll find out. I'm afraid that he's going to. You tease everybody and then pull out at the last minute because he doesn't feel like he can make it the whole way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mike Schuartz with us and he just keeps on giving us some better and better words. Undulating as a describing word for uh, for Augusta National, Mike, I
1: like it. Some of us have not been uh, able to win the lottery to go, uh, but, but we'll keep trying. Shuey, uh, a thought from you on, on Wilderness and how things are going. I saw some the, the design and the, and the models and the renderings have been great. Give us an update with how folks can be a member at Wilderness Ridge, the, the Aquatic Center, and just all the sweet things going on to, to help enjoy golf and summertime with the fam.
7: Yeah, man, it's coming along. It's, uh, they put the railings up on the bridge that goes over the Lazy River. So that was really exciting. So
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> I thought about you when they were putting that bridge. What, Those the, the,
1: the, the lazy part are just floating with a cocktail? <laughs>
7: <laughs> the the Safety part, so you would be jumping <laughs> <up. laughs>
1: Schmidt's on the 18th of he's out of vodka lemonade. Oh, I, I can just see it already. Sh- Schmitty doing the show from the lazy river at Wilderness Ridge. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. Should we, should we throw it, uh, a lit hair dryer in there for me? <laughs>
7: <laughs> but things are going great. I mean, memberships are picking up like crazy. Uh, Tammy Nagel is our membership director, so if you're interested and want more information, uh, just go on her website and find Tammy's information, contact her. She can give you a tour. Uh, it, it's really it, it's really exciting because you're starting to really see things come together and uh, you can see what's going to be available uh, when the nice weather starts to get. So um, it's exciting, exciting time.
2: Mike, is, is it looking like the, uh, the course is in its its, it's spring glory just yet with, with the rain we've been seeing last week? Is it back yet or are we still a few weeks away?
7: No, we're still a few weeks away. We're we're warm weather away. Okay. So the rain helped a lot, but it has been too cool. I mean, we got to get some warm weather, some warm nights to get that grass all excited about wanting to grow. So as soon as we, as soon as you see a warm weather spell hit and the nights stay pretty warm, you'll really start to see the golf course round into shape for what you're seeing in the summers.
1: Mike Schuarts with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We love talking. Uh, golf and Tiger and uh, Masters with with Shoei and of course all the the just the amenities out at Wilderness Shuey, We will uh, run you down here as uh, we get closer to uh, to Augusta next week. What's and we
2: and we need Shuey's picks here because the last two the last two Masters nailed. nailed. He's been nailing some top five picks for us.
1: So well Shuey, we'll will lock you in next Wednesday. Have a wonderful uh, have a wonderful forty ninth uh, birthday again, my friend. <laughs>
7: 39.
1: 39. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Shuey, you be good, buddy. You,
0: you too. Stay
1: safe. All right, there he is. Mike Shuart will wind down our one with Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught. Pre-teen Swedish boy.
1: Good stuff from Mike Schuart and, of course, Mike Babcock, Russ Landy, NFL draft insider front office with Belichick and the Browns. And, of course, uh, the Rams and Vermeil does work with the CFL lead scout for the Alouettes right now. So Russ has got his fingers all over the NFL draft. We'll get his take on several Huskers that have great prospects here for the end of April draft. You'll hear the NFL draft right here locally on ESPN Lincoln, and several of our affiliates, of course, will have uh, coverage as well uh, with the NFL draft. So that's pretty awesome. I'll get his take on, you know, what, what does he make of this draft with the quarterbacks, with the offensive tackles, the the depth at wide receiver, and the presence of... Edge rushers, of course. So, uh, speaking of edge rushers, Nebraska in the market for one. You love the progress that a uh, Garrett Nelson has made. Also, what uh, you can anticipate for a Caleb Tanner. I know uh, Payne transferred to Virginia Tech, which hurts. If the kid's good enough to play at Virginia Tech, it'd have been fun to see him another year in Lincoln. All that being said, uh, the the top transfer target in the entire portal is O'Shawn Mathis out of TCU announcing earlier today he will visit Nebraska for the spring game. The, the thing that's nice is not only need for Nebraska with Mathis and how he plugs into this defense, getting an elite-edge defender, but also the, the reality of Nebraska and how they handle athletes in NIL. That is so... It's a game changer for a lot of programs, but Nebraska and the different business opportunities that are out there could be a real deal sealer for Nebraska. I would have to guess with what Mathis can can get endorsement-wise and then what Nebraska can get in return uh, from a guy that can really get after the quarterback by himself and also open things up for the Ty Robinsons, for the Rodgers, and vice versa. And and then you factor in a, a Garrett Nelson, a Caleb Tanner, a Mosai Newsom, Just some of the prospects that you're hearing decent things about anyway that have been in the program. But to be able to, be able to go free agency here is pretty nice. We'll see if Nebraska can close the deal.
2: And I, I remember talking about it last year and the year before. We were just talking about how important it is for Nebraska to have a guy that you can circle on the defense and say – if we don't take care of this guy, he is going to absolutely wreck our offensive game plan. And the closest thing Nebraska's had over the past couple of years has been JoJo Doman, mm-hmm. where at times he's been that that game wrecker. And you saw what he did against uh, Ohio State, for example. I mean, he was a, a complete difference maker against the Buckeyes last season. I, I don't see that guy on this defense as it stands right now. Uh, O'Shawn Mathis could be that guy, and that's why I think it's huge. Is uh, Whenever you have a guy that can— dominate and run. He can dominate and pass and he can just take a load off the entire rest of the defense. That's a huge get for Nebraska and I think that would just be a, a, a giant step for the defense and their improvement.
1: In Nebraska when they brought edge pressure, a lot of it was uh, Deontay Williams when he was healthy. Yeah. They, they'd, bring, they'd bring a corner or a safety to get home and JoJo was that guy. How many big time moments did JoJo have with a, with a splash, tackle for loss from behind. He'd come off the edge, and, and there'd be a, a minus three on the play. We'll hear about JoJo, his prospects, Austin Allen, Cam Juergens, Russ Landy, NFL Draft Insider, next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The calendar will flip till April tomorrow, and end of the month is the NFL Draft. We welcome in NFL Insider, longtime draft analyst, uh, also with the CFL and front office man in the NFL, Russ Landy, back with us. Russ, what do you know, man? It's been uh, been a while, but it's great to catch up with you again.
8: Well, first, I appreciate you having me on, and you know, this is one of the weirder drafts in a long time, because... There is no definitive guy in terms of a quarterback or guy in terms of an elite, rare prospect that is a cinch to go number one. There's a lot of debate, and I think it's going to be one of the more enjoyable drafts in the last decade because of that.
1: Well, it should be fun, and I know Nebraska fans are excited. Russ will get there shortly with just, uh, for the first time in a while, maybe since that 2014 or 2015 draft with... You know, multiple Nebraska guys having a good shot. I know you have a comment on that. But you spent a long time in the NFL, front office with Cleveland, front office with the Rams. So you've crossed paths with a number of folks. And I'd love your take on, on Mark Whipple, who he was just at Pitt, but he spent a long time in the NFL, between college and the NFL. Of course, that Super Bowl run with Coach Cower and the early years of Big Ben. What do you know or remember about Coach Whipple?
8: You know, I mean, I never worked directly with him, but I have a lot of friends who like, cross paths worked with him that I got to know and work with, and they spoke highly of him. They said, this is a guy that's got a great attention to detail. Um, he's got a creative mind, which usually those two things don't always go together. Usually you have guys who are so focused on the details that they're sort of set in their ways and unwilling to look at the bigger picture. Everybody that I know that's dealt with coach Whipple says this is a guy who makes sure they do it right, but he's open to adjusting what he does based on the talent that he has year to year with his team which to me is a sign of a great coach, but it's also a sign for the Nebraska fans to be excited because he's going to be able to adjust not only year to year, but game to game based on injuries and players that are playing better than expected and maybe worse than expected to make that offense function the best it possibly can.
1: You know, he spoke today after practice and, and kind of gave us a rundown and You've got a lot of different marriages going on, Russ. You've got Coach Frost as as the head man with how he wants the offense to go. You bring in a a, a grizzled vet like like Whipple, who's been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. Uh, at at all different levels. So he has his ideas, and it's his offense to run with, obviously, input and and fingerprints from Coach Frost. Offensive line change, Greg Austin has moved on, and and Donnie Raiola, who is the the, uh, assistant offensive line coach with the Bears, is now here. And then you bring in Mickey Joseph uh, as the uh, associate head coach and wide receivers coach. So you've got all of those guys trying to figure one another out, get on the same page, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, deal with some some injuries, uh, some thin numbers at the tight end spot, and some perceived starters out on the offensive line. Easier said than done at the college level and, and, of course, the pro level when you're making staff changes.
8: Well, there's no doubt. And that, to me, is where I think Nebraska really benefits from the fact that Coach Whipple's been a head coach. He understands that change is constant. And if you're not good at adjusting the change as a coach, you're probably not going to be successful. I'm sure because of that, with the new O-line coach and receivers coach, they've been able to jump right in because a guy that has experience as a head guy who understands the importance of getting all the groups together on the same page, he will have them together faster than most offensive coordinators would jumping into that spot because of his experience being the head guy. So I think they're really in good hands.
1: Russ Landy is with us. city Radio NFL Draft Insider. Uh, long-time former front office man in the NFL. And of course, uh, analyst and uh, scout with the CFL. Russ, uh, what a switch to Nebraska and uh, a guy we really liked watching here in Lincoln, with his size and athleticism, uh, was Austin Allen, the tight end out uh, out of, out of uh, Aurora, Nebraska. Uh, what do you think of Austin? What have you seen from him, and and what uh, what kind of looks can he give at the next level?
8: You know, he's a guy. It's funny, I hadn't seen a lot of him until I went to the NFLPA game, and when I watched out there, he he stood out because he's a linear kid and that he's long, but he's he's solidly built. Um, The kid's got nice hands. I think he's a guy that he may never become that sort of starting guy that is your guy that you want to throw the ball 60 times a year to, but I think he's that sort of 1A tight end in that he's ideally a backup, but he can get in there and play in a game. He can be a productive tight end in the NFL, give you two tight end looks, catch passes, runs hard with the ball, a lot of positives to really like about his future in the NFL.
2: Another guy with size and athleticism we've been watching here has been Cam Juergens, and as soon as he got some issues with shotgun snapping under control, Cam was really a joy to watch here at Nebraska with his ability to get out on the edge and block. So I want to get your take on what you've seen out of Cam Juergens in this pre-draft process and and what you think uh, might be a good fit for him in the NFL because we know he's going to have to find the right scheme.
8: Oh, there's no question. I mean, when you look at a player like him, the perfect scheme really would be if he got lucky enough to go to the 49ers. Um, because they're a team they're not worried about a you 330 pounds who can pick guys up and throw them a quarter mile. They want guys who can get out and pull, who can get out in space, and he can run. And that's uncommon for a guy that's 290, 300, that he can put a foot in the ground, get out of a stance, and he can get to the next block or on a reach block. He can pull and get outside to tackle if he has to get outside. So to me, he's a guy, because of his running ability, ability to get through to the second level, he offers a lot of value to a team that's going to move their interior guys around. And if he goes to the right system, I could see him being a center or a guard because him in the right system, it's not going to be predicated on strength. It's going to be predicated on quickness, competitiveness, and smarts. And he has all of those traits. That's why I think he's a guy that it may not be in the first three rounds, but he's going to get drafted in that third- to fifth-round area.
1: When we talk about Cam, and, and we uh, – I remember when when Cam got the offer and then committed to Nebraska, he was a, a freshman or, or a sophomore just down the road here in, in a little town in Beatrice, and, and Cam was an incredible track athlete and just freak football guy. Well, Nebraska put weight on him, Russ, and moved him from tight end to center – Uh, That's pretty uncommon. Rick Kaczynski, uh, former coach, was moved from tight end to center at Notre Dame back in the the mid uh, to upper 90s. But do you see that happening? And and when when that happens, uh, does it work out in the NFL? Can you jog your memory for me about a guy that was a tight end that that played center in the NFL?
8: You know, it really is rare. Um, Usually they put tight ends to tackle, and the reason being is, You want the the more athletic guy at tackle, and you can handle a little bit of lack of strength because he's going against 250-pound defensive ends. Mm -hmm. When you take a tight end and move him into center, you're sort of putting him in a position that's uncommon for him because he's going to have to deal with the brute, explosive power of 300-pounders right off the ball on top of him. I think that tells you a lot about Cam and that the coaches saw that although he's never going to probably be a 320-pound guy, he's strong for his size and that he can hold up because of his ability to play with leverage and because of that quickness off the ball to get set before guys can make contact with him. I think it tells you a lot about the kid. I don't think it is a common transition, but I think in Cam's case, I think it made perfect sense, and it worked out very well.
1: Few minutes here. Russ Landy with us, Hail Varsity Radio, NFL Draft Insider, talking about some of the Nebraska prospects. Russ, uh, the the other guy that's that's likely to be picked, and we loved watching him is JoJo Doman, uh, one of those hybrid defenders can play safety. Uh, lined up uh, and, and did great work in coverage, but also really was a force at, at taking the football away for Nebraska. What uh, Where's a fit in your mind for JoJo when you think of some NFL teams?
8: Well, you know, when I look at a guy like him personally, a team like San Diego jumps out because they like the guys like a Ken Murray who came out of Oklahoma, an undersized guy in the 220-pound range, 225-pound range, who can run and cover And I think when you look at JoJo, if this were 15 years ago, you might be looking at him saying, where are we going to play him? Is he going to be able to get on the field because he's not that violent safety and he's not that massive linebacker? Well, in today's NFL where Eskridge is king on defense, he has a great spot and he has a great role to be a will linebacker because you can split him out. He can cover tight ends and running backs all the way aligned wide, not even on the line of scrimmage. He can drop in coverage, and he has the speed to chase plays down. So, to me, he's sort of the perfect version of what teams are looking for in that Will linebacker in today's NFL.
1: Russ, uh, a thought with uh, the draft uh, an overall look. You said there's not a guy – uh, but plenty of, of edge rushers come to mind. of course, Hutchinson out of Mix- Michigan, Thibodeau out of Oregon. Uh, I know Ajabo hurt himself in in pro day, which is just too bad. I was wowed by Michigan's guys off the edge. Carl Loftus from Purdue, uh, Boy Mafe from Minnesota. I mean, the, Nebraska gave up a billion sacks last year. At least they gave up a billion sacks to potential top three-round guys. But touch on some of the edge edge performers here in this draft. Who are some of the guys you're high on?
8: You know, it's a really unique class because you have a guy like Thibodeau, who a lot of people look at as sort of the freak athlete who, when everything's going perfect, he's a dominant player. But there are some peaks and valleys. Hutchinson is sort of just that every single snap. He plays like it's the end of the world type guy. He may not be as athletic as some of the other guys like the Boses, like the Thibodeaus, who have either come before or at the top of the draft now. But the way he plays, the instincts, the aggressiveness, it makes up for it, and it really makes him a high-level player. Um, And I personally love the kid from Purdue, um, Karloftis. Mm -hmm. This kid, to me, is a guy that might be the best of them all. He has a natural feel for a guy who's still learning how to play football. It is amazing, his sort of feel for when the offensive tackles, hands are coming, how to dip, how to turn, how to use his hands to defeat the block. I think he and the kid from Michigan, Ajabo, who got hurt two years from now will probably be the two best guys from this year's draft as Ezra edge rushers.
2: Russ Landy's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking some NFL draft. Uh, a lot of high-level wide receivers in this year's draft. I think that's one of the reasons the, the Chiefs uh, ended up getting rid of Tyree Kill. I think they know there's some receivers they can pick up in the draft that can make some difference makers. I guess we'll see on that. But I, I want to get your take on those guys that are going to be catching passes in the draft. Who do you like uh, and who are some of those guys you think are going to be day one starters in the NFL? Because it feels like uh, every year over the past couple of years, there's been one or two guys that have just been instant difference makers at that wide receiver position.
8: Yeah, there's no question. This year's class is really deep. Um, Personally, the guy, if I were to say one guy that's going to step in right away, I'd probably say Chris Olave from Ohio State. Even though he may not become the best six years down the road, he is so polished in his route running, has a great feel for where the defender is, natural hands. Um, He, Drake London, are probably my two favorite guys. And the sleeper guy that everybody's talking about now, the Christian Watson kid at North Dakota State, one of the most intriguing guys because you just don't find kids that are 6'4", 6'5", who can run by elite defenders. This kid is very unique in his acceleration for a tall kid, his ability to stretch the field. Um, It's a great class of receivers. I think you're going to see this year there's going to be some guys that drop good receivers in the first round are going to drop and at the top of the second round you're going to see some really good players get drafted whether it's a Drake London or a Traylon Burke someone like that is going to slip to that 33rd 34th
1: pick what's your take on Jordan Davis we know about the size we were all kind of blown away by what he did in Indy how fast he was for his size is there a comp for you uh and all the years of, of scouting and and, and looking at kids uh, ahead of the NFL draft, does Jordan Davis remind you of anybody?
8: I can't say he reminds me of someone. I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised at how well he tested. I think when you saw him, you saw glimpses of it. They didn't see it all the time. And then to see him pound it out and put up those testing numbers, I think it sort of gets you excited that, hey, with the time to focus now year-round on football, not having to worry about going to class, not having to worry about any of that, This is a guy that I could see being one of those guys, there's about two or three a year, that end up being better players in the pros than they were in college. And to me, he fits that mold perfectly.
1: Russ, uh, a thought on the quarterbacks. And first, give us a thought on Kenny Pickett. Uh, Where does he kind of stack up for you? Pickett's the name you see in the first round. Also, Malik Willis out of Liberty. Of those two quarterbacks at this point, who do you like better?
8: I would probably say Pickett right now. Um, He's not the physical talent that Willis is in terms of Willis has a cannon for an arm. He's a great athlete. I think it's just a little bit more inconsistent. Pickett's got a good arm, um, an accurate thrower. Um, I think he's probably the top dog in the house right now. But I will say the kid to keep an eye on is the kid Carson Strong. A lot of NFL teams think his film might be the best of all the quarterbacks. The concern is his knee that he injured about a year and three quarters ago, and he basically came back early and played with it this year, so he wasn't at full speed when the season began. But if his knee passes a physical there are some teams, and I have not rated this kid, but there are some teams that have told me in the NFL that his film is the best of all the quarterbacks. So don't be shocked if he ends up going higher than a lot of the other quarterbacks getting discussion right now.
1: Russ Landy is with us, NFL insider and uh, draft analyst. Russ, last thought, is there an elite tackle that uh, can be a multi-year Pro Bowl guy in this draft?
8: You know, I really think there are three guys. It's it's, it's To me, an awesome year if you're looking for an offensive lineman and that's why to me Jacksonville take one with the top pick whether you're talking about Evan Neal from Alabama who to me is a very very easy guy to plug in as a starter um you have the Equanu kid from NC State athletic kid a little bit shorter quote-unquote than your traditional tackle at 6-4 and to me the guy with the most upside potential is the Charles Cross kid out of Mississippi State you talk about an athlete at tackle who's just going to get better and better and better. And that, to me, is Cross. I could see Cross three years from now. I could see people saying, holy smokes, how did he make it to 14th? He's the best tackle or second best in the whole NFL.
1: Russ, we'll do this again uh, closer to the draft and and maybe uh, post-mortem on the draft as well. Take care. Best to you, and thanks for your insight today.
8: You got it, Chris. Thanks, as always, for having me on. I appreciate it.
4: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe. Promo code GBR. Chime
0: in. 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me. Try me.
1: Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One more note from Russ Landy on NFL prospects from Nebraska. Cam Taylor Britt, a guy that's in that 4-7 to seven window. And you wonder... Where he'll fit in the NFL. We talk about Jojo and being a hybrid guy, safety, outside backer, will linebacker like Russ was talking about. You look at that Nick Gary Mold as well. And then there's Cam Taylor Britt. Really thrived at corner for Nebraska. Was a good safety for Nebraska. Physical is all get out. But from a from an NFL size standpoint, is he a tweeter? He'll get I think he'll get drafted. I think Russ thinks he'll get drafted. And I think Cam can be a big time fit. He's just a just a baller, and I love his physicality. I think he's super physical at quarter, and he was physical enough in college. Is he physical enough to be a safety in the NFL?
2: And the, the way I see it, it's similar to the the, the DiCaprio boodle situation, where yeah, he, he was athletic and and talented, talented. But I'm not sure coverage skills that the pure man to man coverage they are looking for in the NFL is is up to snuff at this point. And I wonder if Cam Taylor Britt's going to be a guy that. You know, goes sixth, seventh round, and, and teams are going to stash him on the practice squad for a year and, and let him develop a little bit uh, before they, they give him some reps up on the active roster, a la what we saw from DiCaprio Buda, where he was stashed out on the practice roster for the Chiefs and then that had a good active. training camp and, and then was active for a good portion of last year. I wonder if that's going to be the route for Cam Taylor, Britt, because – I mean, he, he was really hit or miss in coverage last year. Where one game he'd look like the best cornerback in the Big Ten, the next game you'd wonder what the hell is he doing out there.
1: Well, I mean, and he was, you know, and no, was, no disrespect
2: to him. No, I he
1: was. He that. was all. He was all Big Ten. Uh, I thought his Penn State game is is in the COVID year, where he locked up Dodson was incredible. I thought he had a monster Michigan game uh, with uh, you know his ball skills. I thought he had a great second half against Minnesota and you know David Bell uh went off uh, sort of I mean late uh it, in in the covid year but Nebraska just did enough but didn't win the game right uh, I, again but I don't think it was anything can coverage wise due to cam so no um CTB's Got a, to get a be a Sunday guy for sure, and we'll just see what role is carved out for him. And it just takes one team.
2: Yeah, and I'm agreeing with you. I think he's a Sunday guy, too. I think he's going to find a spot in the league. I'm just not That's sure. That's why he's leaving early. I'm not sure he's NFL ready at the moment. But we'll see. That's why I'm not an NFL scout, not an NFL GM.
1: Well, that and, again, the mustache scares many away. (laughs) They they, they lock the door when I'm showing up for that NFL GM interview, you know? Oh, there's there's this Elijah guy, and he's combing his stash. (laughs) Let's dive in uh, a little bit more from from Nebraska's post-practice today and Coach Becton dialing up uh, some info on the tight ends. Uh, And Becton here, we heard from Whipple earlier, good stuff from Russ Landy on – how there's that NFL crossover with some of his peers from the NFL and what they love about Whipple. That was some great insight. Beckton's done a great job of developing tight ends since his time here. You look at Stoll. You look at Austin Allen. Uh, you've seen guys uh, play well. He's just got a wounded room right now. But uh, the young guys are getting some time, and they're making some impressions on him. And most importantly, if you're a Nebraska fan, they're getting ready – for spring and beyond, to be able to to go perform blocking, catching when called upon.
5: First guy, I'm really proud of him. How hard he's worked, uh, Nate Borkatcher. He's been very detailed since he's uh, since the offseason. Um, he's worked really hard in the in the weight room, and he's he's really improved in all facets. He's become a run blocker. He absorbs the ball. There's, I don't think he's had a drop all spring. He's made the tough plays. You know, so I'm really excited about what he's done, done thus far. Um, A.J. Rollins probably had his best day today um, at practice. Uh, he's always been a physical kid. I'm getting him to learn how to play a little bit more as a receiver. He's really starting to put things together. He came in really early this morning. Coach, what do we have? That's new. Um, that's what it's, it's going to take for him to continue to be, progress forward. Um, uh, James Carney, a little bit of a setback with him. Uh, with a with a slight knee injury today, nothing nothing too bad, but you know, hopefully we'll get him back on, on Friday. But uh, really excited about those young guys, particularly Nate Borkature and AJ Rollins right now.
1: So Borkature, that's that's awesome to hear. AJ Rollins is just uh, a guy that listen, uh is is making headway, super athletic, the attitude matches the ability. And that's what you want. Huge James Carney guy. Loved watching him at Norris. Love his skill set. Hope things work out for him and he's okay. But, uh, I mean, I, you look at all the tight ends Nebraska took the last couple of years. And guys have been dinged up. But I don't think, to be fair, I don't think they've missed on their, their projections. And I know that's not translated into letters or 40 catches or six touchdowns or whatever. But I'm saying when it comes to going after the, the group of tight ends in state, uh, Coach Beckton's pretty happy with the the crop he's got to work with.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, in state, I mean, you can almost count uh, Thomas Hidoni as an in state guy with sure. just being across the river, too. Uh, it feels like Nebraska is just churning out tight end after tight end after tight end, dating back to Cam Juergens. I know he didn't end up as a tight end here at Nebraska, but he was a tight end back in high school, as we talked about uh, just last segment. So I'm not sure what it is with tight ends in Nebraska right now, but it just feels like there's a, another tight end getting churned out every single year that's going to find his way onto the roster at Nebraska.
1: You know, the. The common response with the the injury news at tight end is, oh, no, because it's a it's a deep position and it's a talented position group. You want to see it used. But the the silver lining here is, again, that development more from Coach Becton.
5: You know, with Travis, you know some of the other guys down right now. Fedoni down, uh, Brewington down, Hickman down right now. It's giving those guys uh, ample opportunity to showcase themselves and reps. When you get reps, you, and we, when you coach under Coach Beckley, then you're going you're going to improve. So um, I'm really, I'm kind of really happy that happened with those other guys right now. Nobody I wish nobody to get hurt, but uh, it's giving those other guys an opportunity to step up and uh, show their their uh, what they can do for us here.
1: That's really a pillar for Nebraska fans is get better, get coached up, get better, give it a go. And Becton's head guys get better under his watch. So one thing uh, Becton commented on today was the physicality, what he's happy with, and and that's got to be music to your ears if you're a Nebraska fan with just uh, being a, a tough uh, just grungy team in, in a complimentary way where you're going you're gonna to put some smackdowns on the opposing line of scrimmage and there's been a good back and forth.
5: The best thing I've seen is the physicality on both sides. It, it's been a real, really chippy spring ball. Um, that's what you need for being able to prepare yourself for the Big Ten. Uh, guys are physical, fighting, and finishing on both sides of the ball up front. Uh, even the receivers of DBs are doing a better job of finishing to the ball. Um, so that's one of the things that's glaring for me. These guys come out every single day. Um, we hadn't had any practices where there's been a law. And it's, you know, the coach has done a great job of getting those guys and motivating and start some special teams with, with Coach Bush. Uh, he sees those guys early in the morning, uh, gets those guys motivated to go. But those guys have a they come out with a passion every single day, and that's what, what it's going to take for us to continue to move this program forward.
1: Said a key word motivated. Now, clearly, uh, you got to be motivated to, to stop going five and seven, four and eight, three and nine. You want to get to postseason. You want to win some of those big games, not just be in them. So that's some intrinsic motivation. But you've got guys like Bush, you have guys like Becton, uh, Whipple, Raiola, of course, Mickey Joseph. They are bringing some of the the energy, the motivation to the party. And if you're not showing up motivated, your coach will get you motivated. That's so key to play for a guy or a gal that gets you cranked up and wanting to go. So it's not just another practice. It's not dull. Uh, they've been pretty locked in. Uh, Becton spoke about some of the growing pains with the new staff and uh, the, the, the marriage term's been talked about a lot and that's still a work in progress, but you'd expect that here with four new faces.
5: The cohesiveness of new staff on offense, um, obviously, you know, there's some things there that we're still trying to figure out what Coach Whipple and Coach uh, Raiola wants up front, you know, so it's some of the things in the passing game. So those things between Coach Whipple and Coach Frost trying to merge things together and kind of getting a happy medium there, you know, we got to do a better job there as a coaching staff trying to figure that out. But um, I really like where we're going, you know, offensively and really the entire team, special teams all to the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side. We're a lot more physical, a lot more passionate about on each play trying to make each other better, and it's going to show uh, next year.
1: You know, that's – I'm not red flagging that comment. I, I say this, if I'm Riola and I'm Whipple, I'm trying to figure out what I got, right? I mean, we, we talked about the injuries. What do you have? Well, you got some new guys getting comfortable and the reps to get better. So you haven't seen the the finished product. What's the trust level like to project beyond just spring? You don't know. You probably don't know, but you're working with what you got on the offensive line to see who's good and who can get downhill and be physical on the line of scrimmage for the run game, who can be adequate to better at pass blocking. How's that work with your quarterback situation? You got a lot of moving parts So with all these moving parts, it's probably tough to settle in on a a clear-cut direction right now between O-line, quarterback, your running back room, your wide receivers, and your, your wounded tight end room.
2: Yeah, but like uh, as we we talked about with Mike last hour, um, you said you're not red flag in this comment. It, it's slightly concerning to me that we're a couple weeks in and there, there's still these growing pains, but I don't think it's cause for serious concern. I mean, you,
1: you got to get these things ironed out, and it's better to get these things ironed out in the spring than in the fall, right? Last thought here from Becton, uh, tight ends, and they like uh, the approach, the passing game, their usage. Uh, when it comes to the Whipple offense?
5: The, the thing I've learned about Coach Whipple is he wants everybody involved tight ends, receivers, running backs. He wants everybody involved in the passing game. So there are certain plays that I know and the tight ends know they're the first option. You know, so we've always been third, fourth. Now we got more, multiple plays where we're the first option. Um, so the kids are really excited about that, and particularly Travis act We want him to have a big year this year. Uh, we're really doing a good job of working on his top end and his route so, so he can improve, you know, in his passing skills. But really excited about being more of a first option in what we're doing with the tight ends.
1: You got the players, got to use them. And uh, when guys get healthy, uh, a lot of upside to that tight end room. We'll uh, continue on this second hour. a jock doc. How's Nova's Final Four look without more? We'll check in with that with Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And enter in the promo code GBR. For $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity, that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
0: And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome!
1: Back into it at Tale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how's the bracket looking?
9: It kind of got blown up so far, but <laughs> still fun to watch.
1: It is. Your final four is correct, though, right?
9: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: You, you nailed it. You, <laughs> out of everybody, nailed it. I love it.
9: <laughs> we all try, at least.
1: Well, I can't wait for this KU Villanova matchup. Our Jock doc feature, though, is going to be on Nova's Justin Moore. Of course, uh, had the uh, the leg injury in the win over Houston in the uh, the Elite Eight. And uh, Jay Wright speaking a little bit here about X-rays, revealed no broken bones, but added Moore was undergoing further tests. Dr. Ben, some thoughts here on, on what more may be dealing with. Doesn't look like he's going to be available for KU.
9: Yeah, it sounds like he was off with crutches and not really weight bearing as much. It's just kind of hard to tell. They were pretty vague in terms of what his actual injury was. So when they talk about the lower leg, it can really be a lot of things. Um, you know, they ruled out a break, so that's certainly a, a positive and a win for him. But um, whether it's his knee and whether it's a cartilage issue within the knee or it's a soft tissue kind of tendon about the knee or down into the ankle, you know, that's, that obviously offers a lot more information once we find out what that is.
1: Dr. Ben Woodhead is with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. And uh, we're talking about Justin Moore from Villanova. The situation is he slipped while driving in the lane with about 35 seconds left in the game. And he had to be helped off the court. It was so bad. Didn't celebrate with the bench or teammates, as the buzzer sounded, understandably. But that is, you know, we talk about non-contact injuries, Dr. Ben, and we hear about it and see it in football with a guy trying to cut or even uh, a guy stepping wrong or a gal stepping wrong on the soccer pitch or or even basketball court, right? Baseball dime. I mean, think about all the sports, hockey. But this is just a problem in basketball that a lot of other sports don't have yeah you'll have a wet surface in football but it's because of rain you're not supposed to have a wet surface in in basketball and and that that makes it real tricky we've seen a lot of guys slip for whatever reason this tournament
9: yeah i mean from a standpoint of being on this hard surface that has a has a wet surface, you know, that, that potentially can be catastrophic for anybody. I mean, even one of the coaches walking across and then you throw athletes out there that are running and cutting, um, you know, you can really put some of these people in harm's way. And so you talk about these non-contact injuries, you know, there can be a full gamut of injuries. You can, you can tear your ACL, the cartilage in your uh, knee, which is your meniscus. You can do other types of tendinous injuries around the ankle. Um, really possibilities are endless. You know, it doesn't have to be just a broken bone or what sounds like the worst-case scenario. You can certainly have these cartilage injuries that can cause a lot of different issues for these athletes and basketball players.
1: Dr. Ben Woodhead joins us, a jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, and uh, we're talking Villanova's starting guard, a uh, guy that's put a, a lot of heart and soul into this year's Final Four team, Justin Moore. So as you sift through this story and and read through the tea leaves a little bit. We know there's no break. Uh, You know, an x-ray has gone on. You need to go beyond and and probably do an MRI, don't you, to to look at if there's any structural damage or ligament damage?
9: Yeah, absolutely. X-rays are great for just initial kind of overview, make sure there's not a bone broken, make sure there's not any soft tissue air or anything funky that's going on um, just around the bone. Now, the problem is, is that, you know, an x-ray is not going to show you any of the soft tissue, any swelling, um, any ligaments or tendons or cartilage injuries. And so, um, you know, depending on where his actual pain is, um, whether it's the knee or the ankle, you know, an MRI is the next step. So you can look at those types of internal structures and see if there's any actual injury.
1: When do you look at at this potential injury the lower right leg injury you know as you looked at it and we know it's not a a broken bone i'm wondering do you think it's it's a mild to severe sprain do you mind speculating a little bit is it a high ankle is it uh you know there's what's on the table i guess for for what could happen could have happened yeah i mean
9: when Well, when they keep it vague like that, it certainly could be anything, you know, could be the knee. Usually they'll specify the knee, right? Um, But, you know, yeah, if it's lower leg, certainly a high ankle sprain, those are nagging injuries. It's kind of, you know, it's very similar to a kind of a lower ankle sprain, but some of that force actually kind of gets transmitted up into the middle of the the lower leg, and it can tear some ligaments on the way up. Um, You know, those are very difficult um, injuries to recover from you know, more than the more traditional kind of common ankle sprain. And so if it is like a high type ankle sprain, you know, that's a little more extensive of a rehab, a non-weight bearing type of treatment as well as just a longer recovery.
1: Well, you said it, the recovery portion is, is the reality missing the final four and then potentially a championship game we don't know about, but I'd be surprised based on the reaction if if he's available for Monday I mean it just doesn't look good at all
9: yeah I mean when you're to the point where you got to be carried off the court and you can't wait bear and you can't go out and celebrate oftentimes you know that's more of a severe type injury Um, and I know that you know a guy like this this is what you have lived for up until this point but you really can't jeopardize further injuring it or making the injury worse that would you know create problems in the future
1: is it even fun? I mean, is it even possible to 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 play effectively with something like this? I don't think so.
9: You know, probably not. You know, unless it's a best case scenario where they get an MRI and, you know, there's really not for soft tissue swelling, maybe he has a low kind of a low grade ankle sprain and something that he could tape and just go out on the court and see if he can cut and run. But, you know, to play at the level that he needs to be, you know, if he's truly that injured, it's going to be. I would guess it's going to be highly suspect for doing that.
1: Dr. Ben, let's talk a little bit about treatment. What's what's Justin Moore going through right now when it comes to treatment?
9: You know, they're probably waiting for the MRI, especially, just so they can find out a diagnosis because that's the hardest part. If you don't have a diagnosis, um, you know, treating specific injuries is very difficult. But, you know, he's certainly going to be in rehab. He's going to do the rice or the rice type therapy where he's resting, he's icing compressing if there's any swelling and then just kind of elevating it, um, to see if he can heal as quick as possible. There's not really a recipe other than doing the simple things in these early phases while you're waiting for um, a specific diagnosis.
1: What about long-term uh, injury? Say it's, it's a sprain or a strain. It's not a, a tear. Uh, could that from a cumulative standpoint, wear on that lower right leg?
9: Yeah, it certainly can. As long as it's a mild grade, you know, sprain or strain, you know, he should get back to full recovery. Hopefully there's no type of surgical treatment options that are needed. And, you know, he'll get back to activities as tolerated where it becomes a little more problematic if the the strain or the the tear is a little higher grade, meaning, you know, there's more ligaments um, or if there's a tendon involved, you know, that's where you're relying on more healing. And at some point, sometimes you got to discuss surgical treatments.
1: Well, Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, a jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We're talking Justin Moore of Villanova. Dr. Ben, we'll get caught up, enjoy the Final Four and uh, Championship Monday.
9: Awesome. Thanks, Chris.
1: Good stuff from Dr. Ben Woodhead, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We'll wind down a Wednesday next here on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. And I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR
0: miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hail the ESPN Lincoln app or download them on iTunes saddle up
1: partner back to hail varsity radio one final time big thanks to Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart Russ Landy as we got the midweek edition rolling. podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Love your feedback. And subscribe on ESPNLincoln.com. The on-demand podcasts are up for the interviews we sat down with today and past interviews. And as always, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle is where you can go, as well as find the SoundCloud, some of the best, best excerpts from uh, today's shows and past shows and uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Reminder to get buckled up, game preparation and the repetition. Predict success in winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seat belts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Tomorrow on the show we'll Rundown, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity we will spend some time with Jeremiah Searles, Husker standout, and our favorite sideline man. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, there will be a Danny Burke sighting and Coach Barnett back in, excited to get his thoughts on, you know, maybe Tiger at Augusta and uh, more, uh, more thoughts on Nebraska and the red zone and the, the offense specifically. So we'll go there. You no know, umping tonight. No umpiring tonight. Last night was uh, a, a brutal game,
2: and uh, I could use the night off tonight. It was a lot of a lot of four pitch walks last night, and you know, at, at, at you
1: want, want to expand that zone, but you
2: just can't. Yeah, at a high school level, like it's one thing if I'm umping ten year olds, where I'll go like, you know what, man, like that is a strike if your bat can touch it, like it's probably a strike. But like at a high school level, like you got to keep a, a, a consistent strike zone. A lot of walks. Um, and uh, just overall, uh, a bit of a, a brutal game last night, and uh, I could use a couple of days off. I'll be back in action Saturday, so I'll have to record the spring game and uh, come back and watch it Saturday night, as opposed to watching it live. But that'll two right.
1: weeks—I mean, you got a week from Saturday, so you're doing both Saturdays.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm working just about every single Saturday now through.
1: Through through August, probably July. Yeah, it's all right. So Good it's for
2: you. Oh, my my umpire's tan is already starting to come in nicely. So
1: yeah, I've got it. I've got to get back in front in front of the old sunshine to, to keep my my bronze going. Well, what was crazy was
2: Saturday. I got it umpire, and it wasn't even that that like sunny. It was uh, partly cloudy and pretty chilly. And I I look at myself in the mirror Saturday night and I go, man, I'm already turning pink. I can't believe I suffered after three hours That was the, the, hours the vodka in the
1: lemonade in your in your. <laughs> yeti cup
2: not not at the fields hey 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 really? don't, don't throw that on me you think i'm drinking while i'm umpiring why the hell not because C- I, I you can bomb one from the parents in the stands i have morals okay Allegedly. i, I want to give my best performance and therefore
1: i'm only smoking crack before games okay
2: so good good
1: for you alive <laughs> no to alcohol but uh yay to the he ate of the pipe. <laughs> Keeps you focused. <laughs> Full two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, man. <laughs> uh, the good old anchor man scene did not know it's illegal to smoke, smoke crack, crack on TV. On TV. <laughs> good to know. As they're all getting cuffed. Well, check us out. Stream us, ESP at com, Podcast, uh, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow at Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good Wednesday.
2: Ahura Media Production.